All right. So I saw four things that I can remember, and I don't know that you've, I don't think you've seen two of them. So it might just be a couple of, it might, and I don't know if you're going to want me to wait for you on some of these. So I've got um, Parallel Mothers, Scream, the new one, yeah, Lamb and Flea. That's what I've got. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about those. And I've also got Moonfall. Okay. Because I don't think, I don't think you want to go to Moonfall. No, I mean I'm snobby about those things. I'll probably stream it someday. Oh, it was so like good. It. I'll probably so enjoy good. it. But uh, as far as the th- it's like two and a half hours, right? I don't like going to the theater. Oh, it just huge... passes <laughs> by uh-huh. like you wouldn't believe. I'm wondering it's... what I'm going to see this week. Yeah, I'll tell you. Like since I'm already talking about it, I'll just talk about it briefly. Yeah, sure. But I love doomsday disaster movies like Mm -hmm. the old-fashioned ones like dante's peak remains an all-time favorite Uh i like that better than deep impact Mm -hmm. and then armageddon that was that was kind of a place in time and that was oh big names and back when who ben affleck was the younger Mm -hmm. um hotter guy and he what used the animal cracker that's what people remember from armageddon but i like just these these uh watching cities fall apart and huge waves and mm-hmm. going into space. And that's all that Moonfall is about. You, you got Halle Berry and you have Patrick Wilson. I mean, he gets hotter every year. Oh, that's like, why you're excited. Yes. Right? Like, <laughs> at, like little children was what, 2000, what nine or something. Yeah. And Oh, better by the year. And wow. this adds um, John Bradley is a conspiracy theorist, and I don't know John mm-hmm. Bradley, but he's like a like a British comic he's relief. From Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. I didn't follow Game of Thrones. Role. Yeah. That's why I I, I can't um, speak great. to it. Yeah. Well, what he dis- what he thinks he's a conspiracy theorist who believes that the moon is a mega structure, some big thing built by aliens in order to kind of cultivate Earth, okay. and he he's found to be correct. Of course. That uh, then a hostile AI sort of thing goes into the moon, but that causes its orbit to be off. And so all the tides are wrong and the air is getting sucked off Earth randomly and gets closer and closer to Earth. And anyway, Patrick mm-hmm. Wilson, Halle Berry need to fly to space to go in the moon to defeat this AI thing and to save the world. And I think it's no surprise that they do. Sure. The strange thing at the end, though, is just kind of like, well, the Earth gets a second chance. And I was like, yeah, didn't like everybody die though? Right. Because like if you're thinking that oxygen is gone <laughs> for right. 30 minutes at a time, I'm glad the Patrick Wilson's family was able to steal some from a local firehouse. But I imagine most of the inhabitants of Earth didn't have oxygen tanks available. Right. right? And you see the Chrysler building is on a mountain in Colorado. <laughs> like Why? I don't think the people who were on Earth for this catastrophe really made it. But no and, worries, a military helicopter oh, was right there to pick them up when they came back out of orbit. They were ready for him. So well, of when course, you fundamentally change the tides and things like that, <laughs> how do you set Earth right after that? Well, don't worry, because after they got rid of that AI swarm thing, it got out of the moon, then everything was rebalanced. Oh, whew. Yeah, oh. and everything went back to normal. That was a close one. And so they're like, how long do we have and they're like three months and they're like but remember though because of the change in the moon three months is really only going to be three weeks and i was like what are you saying 
spin like that the moon wow. has now the earth is now spinning so quickly around the sun like wouldn't that cause a major gravitational problem right. so so much pressure nobody could live i mean it, the wow. science is ridiculous right that's not yeah. what you're there for the, i think the visuals are great you get the doomsday stuff that you want the stupid trying to save the people's kids mm -hmm. and you know right. the family that are making every bad decision on the ground trying to travel everyone wants to go, mm -hmm. go to colorado they're not totally clear about why colorado is a safe place mm -hmm. but that is where everyone is heading to and yeah it, it's just a whole bunch of nonsense okay yeah well, but it, oh but it's great yeah all right well now that i've said that i'm not going to see it and now that i know everything that happens in it it almost guarantees I'll end up seeing it on Thursday. Oh, yeah, you will. I'm looking at the list, and it's Marry Me, uh, some new Liam Neeson action thing. Oof. It's Slim Pickens. What's the other big one? Um, Death on the Nile. I didn't even see the first oh, one. Oh, I want to see that so badly. I kind of want to see it, but I want to see the other one first. So but I, people hated that first one, didn't they? The, uh, oh. the Brana Poirot... What was, the, what was the other one? I mean, it's that one where they're like with Gal Gadot, right? Where right, yeah, and right. all the names like Don French and Jennifer Saunders are right. in it. And Russell Brand, weird oh, it's going to be great. It's an Agatha Christie, right? And yeah, he, he did. Uh, why can't I think of Orient Express? I believe. Yeah, I can't one. wait to see that one. Yeah, but yeah, let me tell you, and I'll tell you, my my theater was much more full than usual, hmm. which was, I mean, that's no harbinger, but just my random. Right. You know, east side of Seattle, little suburban mm -hmm. mini mall theater had a lot of people in it. And that was unusual. Usually I'm like one of two or three in the theater. Hmm. Oh, you know what? Maybe we need to see is uh, Jackass, unfortunately, because that's getting really good reviews. Oh, everybody loves it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll see that. This I week. think that like Isaac would really enjoy that. And yet I'm mm -hmm. like, am I taking my 12 year old to a right. R rated nonsense? But I yeah. assume it's just r-rated for being you know dumb yeah it's uh you know imitatable self-harm <laughs> yeah. and stuff but yeah it's, right. i think it's i don't i don't think innocuous. he's i don't think he's gonna try that and now the the joke is extra funky because they're old <laughs> so there's like extra damage uh, oh you know what else i saw <laughs> was the king's man <laughs> oh yeah i know you told me yeah i All actually right. Do I'll wait. See that one eventually. Yeah, I'll wait on that one until you get a chance to see it because it's unlike anything I've seen in a while. I'm I'm up on the series. There's three of those. Well, this is the third one. So, but it's a prequel. So, yeah, it, in... you don't need any background. Yeah. Though I suppose if I knew what was going on, it probably would have been a little more meaningful to it's me. Like throughout. Secret Society. It's like a comic booky, you know, turning up the volume on James Bond, basically. Yeah. And so this is kind of, I guess, the origins of the group. Um, but it, it's got Rasputin as the villain. I see. You remember Ugh. my obsession with Rasputin? I was thinking of you <laughs> because that I remember of, uh, that you like Rasputin, or you were into him. Yeah. He he doesn't play a happens. major role in it. He is a he's a minor foil. Uh huh. But uh, the scenes with him are some of the most bewildering in recent memory. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <clears throat> I might wait and stream that one. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, all right, so you you saw Parallel Mothers I did. Uh, some time ago now, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. I was kind of catching up when I saw it two weeks ago. Um, so who, you want me to give the Yeah, rundown? why don't you do that? I've been kind of talking. Uh, Madres Paralelas uh, is a 2021 Spanish done. drama film written and directed by Pedro Almodovar. It stars Penelope Cruz and Milena Smith and features, uh, oh boy, 
Aitana, Sanchez Gijon, Israel Elehalde, Juliette, uh, Juliette uh, Juliette, I guess, Serrano, and Rossi De Palma. So this is a movie that opened the 78th Venice International Film Festival. It uh, Penelope Cruz won the Volpe Cup for Best Actress. It is uh, now in theaters. It's probably gone already because movies like this get a week, yeah. unfortunately, and at least in the kind of theaters that we go to. And it's about... Um, it's about Penelope Cruz as a photographer, uh, Yanis Martinez, uh, who does a photo shoot with a renowned forensic archaeologist. I guess those guys get photo shoots sometimes. <laughs> yes. And she strikes up a friendship. It's like a real kind of, I mean, it's, it's not sexy like he's in, he's just normal. But well, it might as well of, be GQ, but he's like an archaeologist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hot. Uh, and uh, she, they end up striking up a conversation. Uh, so this is a very interesting movie. I'm not going to read this. I'm not going to like just mechanically read this uh, plot synopsis, but it's an interesting movie because it's a combination of domestic drama and uh, this kind of political message that Almodovar um, was, you know, looking to. And and it's very unique to his style that he could just kind of put just drop of kind of melodramatic, you know, movie about uh, motherhood. And then also just kind of have an over-the-top political message. Wasn't this movie poster in Itumama Tambien? Was it? I think that that was like a little oh, Easter egg. Could be, yeah, maybe. That it was... The one I'm looking at on Wikipedia has a lactating nipple in yes, the shape of an Yes, I believe that it was a background poster oh, right. in that movie from like 20 years ago. And now he well, decided he, yeah. to make a movie yeah. ba- that is the fake movie from his earlier movie. <laughs> So it is an ongoing uh, debate, kind of like the uh, a right-left kind of a culture war debate in Spain about the Spanish Civil War and the hundreds who went missing during that war and the mass graves that are uh, rumored and often found to be around the towns and villages and, and uh, everywhere in the country. So there are those... <laughs> It seems insane that these are the kind of debates we have, but it is a little bit resonant with the kind of stuff we're talking mm-hmm. about in America, where there is a, a large swath of people who would rather just move on. Why bother literally digging up the past? Why bring up things that are unpleasant? Uh, let's just let bygones be bygones and press on. We got things to do. And then there are the people who uh, want to know what happened. There's people who personally have family histories that... Um, that have been ruptured by the Spanish civil war and they want closure. And that's the situation that, uh, Giannis is in, in this film, uh, Cruz's character. She wants to ask this, uh, forensic archeologist if he would consider digging in a spot where she believes her family, some of her family members, uh, will be found buried. Meanwhile, they strike up more than a acquaintance ship and they date and, uh, she becomes pregnant. And when she's, he freaks out, she assures him that he will not have to be involved in raising the child. She's excited to uh, do this alone. When she is in the uh, hospital to give birth, she meets a young woman and played by Milena Smeet, who, uh, what is her name? Anna. A teen single mother who is uh, beside herself and uh, dreading it, 
Penelope Cruz is very excited, and this girl is horrified. She has an overbearing mother who is an actress, a theater actress in Spain, who is whose career is popping. And uh, yeah, this is a a crisis for one and a and a, and a uh, delight for the other. Oh, Dan, I hate doing this. Um, <laughs> You're doing great. The babies are born. The women go home. They raise their babies. Uh, Giannis notices that perhaps her child does not uh, have the features that one would identify with either herself or the forensic archaeologist, but they chalk that up to family genes. There must be something else going on until she is, uh, her curiosity is peaked enough. She, I'm not going to give every detail of this plot away. No. Essentially, it becomes a genetic uh, how would you describe it? It becomes a intrigue about. Um... Well, it's very obvious and not not necessarily in a bad way, but it it's a mistaken identities and you right. know who's who and deep revelations. Who's whose mother? Were babies switched? Those kind of questions. These questions bring the two women back together. They uh, have a very fascinating relationship um, where uh, Anna moves in with Giannis. And then a lot of revelations and emotions happen. They share many. They share many things. They share many things together. (laughs) And then the plot violently switches back to being about the dig. And that's the rest of the movie. And everything is just kind of (laughs) fine and and bittersweet. And uh, I thought this movie was excellent. Let me just fast forward to that part. (laughs) I mean, it sounds bonkers. (laughs) It sounds crazy. And that's that's what I was trying to say early on, that this is just his style is that he could do this. They're not even elegantly woven together. It's kind of like. It's kind of high, high melodrama in one way, but then there's like some historical education and resonance. And just, and so his previous film was Pain and Glory, right? With uh, Mm -hmm. Banderas. And that movie didn't have the, really the political angle. I mean, it did have political, political themes. Absolutely. Um, In fact, I forgot what they were, but they were pretty strong now that I think back to it, but it was mostly, um, it was mostly uh, autobiographical kind of um, stuff about his aging and being an aging artist and and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the point is, he just does whatever he wants to do. I really admire that about filmmakers like him. And this movie sounds like it couldn't work. I don't think anybody anybody else would have tried to make it more artful and tried to weave it and try to be more clever. He just makes compelling movies that just happen in front of you. I found the emotional stuff surprisingly effective considering how kind of high melodrama it was i cared about the characters i cared about the political uh aspects of it i cared about what happened and what that family could learn about their ancestors and i thought it was great recommended yeah it you just kind of gotta watch it to see it and understand it yeah uh i'm not going to talk about it anymore but it's good yeah i don't need to say anything more about it either yeah all right. Um, should I, since you, I, it seems like you're not going to see Flea. Should I get that one out of the way? Yeah, go for it. I, I may uh, end up clicking on it at some point, but I'm not, it's not on my list right now. Right. Okay. Um, let me just bring it up so I can trip over those two films called Flea, but I picked the right one. All right. So this is a, um, a 
Danish documentary, I believe. Yes, it's Danish. Its Danish title is Flukt, which means flee. This is an animated docudrama directed by Jonas Poher Rasmussen. And it is unique and kind of a novelty in the sense that it is an animated documentary, which I didn't put two and two together until the closing moments of the film, that it's not just an artistic flourish. It's not just to be weird and different. It's to uh, mask the identity of its subject hmm. um, because of, of, of issues that are explained in the film. He is essentially a refugee from Afghanistan, and it's about the insane experience of his family uh, piecemeal being smuggled into Europe through Russia by various traffickers th- with varying degrees of misery and danger and how the family, how he had told lies for years about what had happened because he was instructed to do so by the traffickers. And then how he has, and in some cases has not gotten back in touch with certain members of his family over time. And how he now has a frankly idyllic and sweet life in, um, in uh, Denmark with his partner uh, who, what's his name? I don't know, but so it's, it's bittersweet. Some of the memories are horrific, but the, uh, when you, you learn that some of the more horrific details may or may not have been invented because he was instructed to have a certain story. So, uh, that's all I'll say about it. It's the animation is serviceable and good. And it's an interesting way to tell a story like this. It has some really good childhood memory type stuff, and it really is eye-opening to the experience of refugees around the world. Uh, We get several different scenarios just from this one family because they had to be smuggled out one or two at a time. So uh, I recommend seeing this. It's a tight 90 minutes. It's uh, intense, but it's also lovely. So uh, I really liked it. So would you categorize it, though it meets all three, as yeah the awards discussion yeah animated documentary or international uh it really is all three yeah i mean it, it is all three it but i'm saying like if you're going to recognize why... it as one of those things yes. particularly so is if it, it was better a... as a documentary or better as an animated film or yes and that's an interesting question and here's why i would say it it is difficult because if it was a documentary that used animation as a kind of like here's a bunch of animated graphs or we're going to visualize things. I would say, well, those are then just multimedia tools. Right. What we get is a full animated story with the you know characters that, you know, and they're, 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 uh, you follow them throughout. They are developed characters. It's as a style that is consistent throughout. And occasionally it will use live action television footage of things mm. that happened at the time. And then we get a little bit of a spoiler here, not for events, but just for a flourish at the end of the film, when the film switches to live action and we realize that it's kind of been animated on top of live action footage, at least in some mm-hmm. cases, but it still avoids showing faces. So uh, I, that's why I, I'm like, it really is a fully fledged animated film. I guess though, if you had to, if you had to say no, that's too big a grab. I would put it in international or documentary, because it's not going to beat other animated films based on animation. Sure, I mean, is it a good documentary? Yeah, I think it is, and it's also it, it calls it a docudrama here. So mm. it, it and and there's a there's a bit of unreliable narrator woven throughout because you know not because this guy is shady, but because he's been instructed to tell different stories throughout his life. So the, the his friend who is making this film about him is really trying to get to the bottom of it. So 
that's a legitimate documentary, but it's also fully dramatized with flashbacks mm -hmm. and voice work. So I don't know that I would call it a full on doc. So that's the weird part. It's also, it's fully all three, but it's also not fully a documentary and not fully an animated film, but mm -hmm. it is, it's definitely fully international. That's the one thing it that's has definitely. going for it. But that's only in relative, you know, in relativity to our market of how we see movies. So I don't know. I want everything to fit in just one box. Right. It's frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Even if it makes people unsafe, I think we, we shouldn't have gone <laughs> right <laughs> in that direction. Yeah. And to make it more confusing, they could put this on a streaming service under LGBTQ voices. <laughs> oh good. So, yeah. So so the GLAD Awards will will likely yeah. Right. Yeah. Um that is kind of interesting, though, a coming of age story of someone, you know, uh, discovering their sexuality, but in the context of being a refugee on a boat. With I know. Vomiting around him that, you know, that that part of it is genuinely fascinating. Mm -hmm. And how when he first one of the first things he did when he found his way to a nice place in, uh, I think, when he finally got to Denmark, is he asked them for medicine to make him stop being attracted to men. Mm. He was still, you know, a, a, a tween at the time. So. Mm -hmm. That was just his, he just thought there's got to be a way to, it was sad and sweet. But, um, all right, uh, recommended. It's good. Great. Should we hold off on Lamb or did you catch up? No, you can talk about Lamb. Okay. I did turn it on and then I just promptly fell asleep because right. that's just where I was at in that moment. So I've and, been talking a lot now, but I'll, just, I'll do this super quick and then we'll, then we can have fun with Scream. Okay. Um, you have something else though. Do you have anything else or is that it? Scream is the last yeah, I think that Scream can be the last. We can hold off on Kingsman until you see it. Okay, at some point. So, I mean, Lamb, is, I'm we're, I'm way behind on this, and um, it's an A24 horror that um, I think most people. It was kind of the trailer. I think is better known than the movie. A lot of people were sharing that thing around. Uh, let me just get to the to the page. So this is another international film. It's a 2021 folk horror film. Directed by Valdemir Johansson, um, Valdemar Johansson, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Sion, just Sion. And it stars uh, Numi Rapace, who uh, I don't see as much as I thought I would when she kind of popped in the Swedish version of a Dragon Tattoo and then was in Prometheus. She's not around as much as I thought. Apparently, I do hear that she is a difficult person to work with, but I don't. Hmm. That's purely uh, just you know industry gossip. But um, she's very good as Maria. So we've got Maria and Ingvar. They are two young-ish married people who live in a very remote uh, area of Iceland, a rural area where they have a quiet house. They have a dog and a cat. They also have a barn full of sheep. And they tend to them. And we have some kind of an indication that they have a quiet and bittersweet. There's some kind of darkness that hangs over their life together, but they are making a go of it and they love each other. And then weird shit happens that is teased in the trailer where one of the lambs that is born in their barn uh, is a, uh, I mean, essentially, I think most people know what this movie is about. It's essentially a hybrid human lamb creature it's got a head the head of a lamb and one of its hands is a hoof but the rest of it is as a child's a little girl they uh name the girl ada ada and they decide to take her in the house and raise her as a child uh which we 
come to find out plays into some of the backstory. Um, and weirdly, because this is an A24 movie and it's not just a monster movie, it is a, you know, a weird exploration. They end up, uh, it brings life to their home. It brings joy to their relationship. They become a weird family. Uh, then, uh, the husband, what did I say? His name was Ingvar. Ingvar's brother shows up. He, uh, isn't quite as open-minded as they would have hoped about the situation. There's some drama between everybody. And then it goes completely uh, bonkers nuts in the, the, the final moments. And I'm not going to reveal anything about what happens, but this is, uh, it's a pretty, it's a relatively short watch. I think it's an hour 40, something like that. It's extremely slow. I understand why you fell asleep under the right circumstances. This movie would definitely put me to sleep in its early passages. I do think it's worth watching. It's very interesting. It's weird. It's like got that, I don't know. It's it's one of those movies where it's like, well, this isn't real, so it's very hard to put myself in. Like, it's effective and well done, but also I can't go very far with it because, you know, what? It's just not a thing. So, as far as a, a thought experiment and a, and a kind of a, I don't know if I call it a horror movie. I guess it's got that folk horror aspect mm-hmm. to it, and it certainly goes there in the end. So, yeah, worth a watch. It's messed up. Um, but I think just to see what goes down, it's, I don't know how satisfying I'd even say it is. It's just interesting enough that I stuck with it. Well, it's only in my subconscious. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, um, all right. So I'm ready to talk scream. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you introduce us to the world of scream 2021? So scream also known as scream five. There's a little bit of confusion there. Yeah. Fifth installment, though, of the Scream film series. And so it's kind of been billed as a relaunch of the series. Also a Mm -hmm. direct sequel to Scream 4, which I think I probably missed, unfortunately. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I need to go back and watch it. The weird thing is, because that one itself, it's like 2011, that is also a reboot. So it's also got the legacy characters, but it's got the same thing. It's just was for its time. It's for its moment. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I feel, as I was watching this, I was like, wait, did I miss one? Because I felt like I had seen them all. But I feel like I probably, when I think where I was at in life in 2011, did I go to the theater to see the new Scream? I probably Mm -hmm. didn't. Anyway... So it's the same sort of uh, premise where people are very um, well aware of horror movie tropes. They know how to navigate the landscape of the movie they're in. We've got Melissa Barrera as Sam Carpenter. I'm not going to name all these people. But we have the the usual opening of Scream where somebody's on the phone and it's what can you believe 25 years after Billy Loomis? Yeah. Oh gosh. So Tara Carpenter is at home alone. She's attacked by Ghostface. It's the kind of uh, opening that's completely predictable and yet what you're there to see. And then her estranged older sister, Sam, finds out about the attack and comes home to try to figure things out along with her boyfriend, Richie. And there are hospital non pieces of chase and horror nonsense we end up back at the original scream house nev campbell's back and courtney cox and david arquette are reprising their roles along with skeet ulrich kind of in dreamscape and uh 
I mean, I really enjoyed this. I thought that this was good. I liked the new cast of characters, the younger people who kind of stepped into the old roles um, along with the legacy characters. What did you think of uh, Scream 2022? I like it. It's good. It's fun. It's from the team that made Ready or Not, which was a mm, genre was great. horror movie that we both enjoyed. Um, and it's fun. And it's they, that was a great choice with Wes Craven not being around anymore. Um, that was, you know, because it gives it a, a freshness and they clearly are fans of the series. I just watched all these for the first time and I kind of was super sick of them. They, in my opinion, they get really bad. I, uh, the first one is, you know, classic. I missed it, though. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a, a little it's it's we it's retroactive but and then i think they degrade in quality i did like scream 4 um because it kind of brought it into a new era and i think this one works the best because it's the first time that i've been sitting in a theater relatively packed theater when it's fresh Mm -hmm. you know and people are shouting and it's all fresh references and whatever so uh and and to, to manage to not be tired and 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 ridiculous and just be fun it is utterly ridiculous but i mean not to feel like and it didn't feel it could have been oppressive it could have just been like oh that's how i felt with some of the other sequels is that they just are so married to this thing of the tropes and you know like i feel like uh the unbreakable and glass like the way those movies Mm -hmm. pretend there are comic book tropes that have to be and it's so forced and it's so like what i remember lady in the water you have to like set up this situation right this movie i felt like scene to scene was funny and fresh and it was, it was dumb i feel like i'm a little too old for it but i liked it it's fun it's good good cast jack quaid uh, in a good turn as the the boyfriend um and jenna ortega is the yeah. girl in the opening scene who survives how in the world did she survive i know that's, that's ridiculous yeah. so the things that people are able to survive you're right i feel like if i stubbed my toe and fell down the stairs i'm not sure that the emts could could keep me alive by the time I right. got to the hospital. Well, These people Melissa, get stabbed 32 times right. and they're fine. Melissa Barrera at one point, I guess I should have said someone. I shouldn't have named this person. But my whole point is they're fine. She's fine. She's mm-hmm. stabbed in the gut. The knife twisted with like wrenching sounds. The ring, she, ring, ring. She, she, like stabbed so many times. Yeah. And people are like, oh, she yeah. She doesn't even get medical attention at the right. end. People who should have been dead and bled out an hour yeah. ago, they're sitting happily right. in an ambulance. But if you so, go along with it. For yeah, the, you go yeah. along with it. It's a it's a good time. And I thought that in terms of uh, the use of legacy characters, it's fine. It, there's no non-clunky way to make a fresh new movie with young hot people and then bring in the aging people who did it first. But as far as those things go, Nev Campbell can still do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, good turn from, uh, what's his name? Dewey. Yeah. Uh, Arquette. And he, yeah, good good use of him. I feel like he maybe was used the best. I feel like he got the best moments um, of the legacy characters. It's good. It's fine. It's fun. If it turns into a new franchise, huh. great. I mean, remember Skeet Ulrich? Remember him? Yeah, I do. It's like, that is that he's such a place in time for me. Like, yeah. he is the 90s. Right, he should have he should have Johnny Depp. We should have said no to Johnny Depp. And yeah, keep going. Yeah, I like that. The like part of what I like about the Scream series is how it goes very meta. Like especially in the second one, that mm-hmm. takes place in our regular reality. That real celebrities play themselves in the telling of Scream One. You know, right, right. All, and I feel like we didn't get so stuck on that. Like I like the scene where the girl was watching the scene. <laughs> 
where the guy is explaining what not to do and he's about to get killed. You know, it's just right. like we're standing in a hall of mirrors yeah. uh, look, looking back. I, I felt like the the little flourishes they threw in like that were good without being too heavy. Yeah. The weird thing about the whole series was, and this is getting really granular, but I had just, I've, I've caught up on a lot of these slasher series. And I think you have too in recent yeah. years where I did the Friday the 13th mm-hmm. and I did the nightmares and uh, all that stuff. And I felt like, and the Halloweens, I really feel like the, the weird thing is that the tropes that these movies are trading in are not really the Wes Craven ones. Cause Wes Craven's the one who, who this is like, you know, he did Nightmare on Elm Street, which was the one mm-hmm. that kind of deviated from a lot of those mm-hmm. because it had a more uh, colorful uh, main villain. But um, and really, really, if you get you boil it down, most of what these movies are talking about with slasher tropes is Halloween one and maybe some of the Halloween sequels. Mm-hmm. But um, and by now, the, the but now it's just I don't know, it's just so pervasive in culture that it doesn't really matter. Um did you Everybody. watch all the sleepaway camps? I think I only made it to two. I haven't gone past two. <laughs> I there's I have such a special spot for the sleepaway yeah. camps because each one is weirder and funnier than the previous. So if you haven't seen like sleepaway camp three and four, I would mm-hmm. highly recommend them. Doesn't to you. One of them have like uh, Jason Alexander or somebody. In oh, it? I don't remember that. But uh, yeah, I need to catch up. I of course the first one is a is a unique piece of. Of yeah. whatever it is but i do like the girl who they recast as um, yes I as angela already yeah she's something yeah she's, she's great sequel angela oh yeah. yeah she really pops like Se- she's really... sequel angela is hilarious yeah so uh, she she knows the assignment she understands <laughs> the movie she's right. in right um so yeah thanks for reminding me i will catch up with uh yeah I might too. It, it's something that whenever it is sitting there as a recommended for you again, mm-hmm. I'm always tempted. <laughs> uh, I also, because one of the pod, the podcasts that I listen to that, that kind of deep dives on the horror uh, podcasts, uh, horror movies is called uh, with Gorley and Rust. And it's Matt Gorley and Paul Rust. And uh, they watched all the screams and the new one and then they just for fun watched scary movie so i mm-hmm. watched that the other day and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't age well in scary movie oh no doubts but i was surprised that it is very beat for beat scream plus a little bit of i know what you did last summer and a couple other things thrown in mm-hmm. but with those those spoof movies would eventually just become sketch movies where it's you know a different movie every scene right. i was kind of delighted with scary movie the parts of it that were not repugnant that the way that it was a, a uh, and you know scream itself already being a parody really at least a satire right. yeah, it's yeah. like from satire to spoof mm-hmm. but uh it was not as abysmal as i thought it might be oh i and think a- the, anna ferris anna ferris she's <coughs> so good yeah anything she's right. in is just gold she's mm-hmm. so good and uh shannon elizabeth has a surprising oh wow well, yeah you're right as well like 90s huh yeah the same way that people love the 60s Yes. Yeah, that's our 60s. Take man. me back to the 90s. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we did it, Dan. We did I, do it. Uh, well, that's all the movies. Sorry, folks. There's no more. There's <laughs> a black and white version of Nightmare Alley that's showing, but I don't know that I'm. Why would anybody want to see that? I don't know. That's been a thing I, of like. I feel like Nightmare Alley is like so rich in color. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just like the obvious noir thing, but yeah, I'd rather see it in color, I think. Of course. 
Uh, okay. I, I don't know what I'm going to land on for this week. It's probably not going to be Marry Me or the new Liam Neeson thing. So it'll... Moonfall. <laughs> Maybe Moonfall. What's the other one we just talked about, though? There was another one that was... Uh, oh, Jackass. Jackass. Oh, there's yeah. a... Yeah, Whatever, I mean, whichever I one's more convenient to your choice schedule. yeah i have never seen a jackass though i mean i'm familiar yeah, not with either. it i know what it is i've probably seen an episode of the show no doubt but i've never seen the films eric andre is apparently in it in the trailer mm. i like him he's he's a fun guy all right that's it no more talk uh thanks dan i bid mm-hmm. you peace be well yeah i'm gonna grab this audio yeah. bye everybody So there kind of, there's some kind of indication you want to put in the WAV forms to indicate to yourself <laughs> where to where to where to cut. Here. <laughs> there we go. There Do you like that? Yeah, that's perfect. I might leave that in. Though. You see that? You can see it so easily. I where guess you it's a good waveform. <laughs> Thank you.